0: So this past week, the prominent Southern Baptist minister, Beth Moore, announced that she was leaving the Southern Baptist Convention. Beth Moore's departure is a welcome by many of her critics, yet for many others it is a cause of grief. Some have said that her departure should serve as a wake-up call for the denomination, which has had several prominent leaders leave in the last couple of years as it battles over controversies regarding politics, race, sexual abuse, and the role of women within their churches. So this controversy has gotten me thinking about how partisan and tribal we can be within our Christianity. Our history is filled with people picking sides, forming their own little tribes and clans, and battling with one one another over whatever the controversial issue of the day happens to be. We love forming denominations around our favorite Pope-type figures, heroes of faith, and theological thought leaders. And Beth Moore leaving the Southern Baptist Convention is but another of a million such stories of Christians going their own separate ways because of denominational infighting and tensions. And in today's podcast, I want to talk about this a little more. Um, and, but before I do, I, I want to go ahead and play this clip from the movie Harry Potter, I know it's a it's a Christian themed podcast and I'm playing Harry Potter. I hope that doesn't upset any of you. <laughs> uh ho- hopefully hopefully this doesn't cause you to flee my podcast if you're, you know, one of those folks. But anyway, I'm going to play this scene from Harry Potter in which Harry has joined wizard school and as part of wizard school, they get assigned into little warring houses that are supposed to be kind of like their fraternity or mentorship type thing. I know, I'm probably butchering the summary of it. But anyway, I want to play this scene um, from Harry Potter um, in which they go through this because I think it's kind of telling for how we kind of behave uh, not only as wizards, but as Christians. When I call your name, you will come forth. I shall place the sorting hat on your head and you will be sorted into your houses. Harry Potter. Hmm, difficult, very difficult. Plenty of courage, I see. Not a bad mind, either. There's talent, oh yes, and a thirst to prove yourself. But where to put you? Not Slytherin, not Slytherin. Not Slytherin, eh? Are you sure? You could be great, you know. It's all here in your head. And Slytherin will help you on the way to greatness. There's no doubt about that. No? Well, if you're sure, better be Gryffindor. So I think we can all relate to that, right? There's just some groups that we want to be with more than others. (laughs) It's that way in wizard school with Harry Potter not wanting to go to the one house and being relieved when he gets picked for another. He's just like anybody, but that one group. There are an estimated 2.6 billion Christians in the world today. So no wonder we kind of all want to Break off into our little own groups. So there's 2.6 billion of us. There's surely no way all of us are going to agree on anything and everything that happens to be said regarding Jesus. Um, you know, there's a there's an old joke about how uh, if you have two rabbis, you'll have three opinions, and the, that joke holds up well for Christianity, I believe, as well. Get a bunch of us together. And there will probably be more opinions than there are people to hold them. Um, And historically speaking, Christianity can be broken up into three different primary groups. Roman Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, and Protestant. From these three branches of Christianity, there are roughly 40 different other major organizational schools of thought and classifications within Christianity. And then that further splinters off into many hundreds, if not thousands, of different other groups. Some of them just purely being groups that are just purely territorial, country-specific in nature. Um, But others representing, you know, their own denomination within that school of thought. Denominations in Christianity, they can be useful, I believe. Uh, They're useful in the sense that they provide a network of churches within similar Theological convictions and practices with the means of associating and collaborating with other like-minded people these concerns I believe when you often have these sort of uh, Overarching groups this organized religion as some people would like to point out um, You know, I think they're mostly pragmatic and concern. No church wants to feel like they're going at it alone nobody wants to feel like an island And they all pretty much want to look to expand their particular flavor of Christianity into other parts of the world. And they wish to do so by organizing with other like-minded individuals so that they can accomplish more together. As the saying in Proverbs goes, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. So, you know, instead of being one church out there by itself, by its lonesome, doing its own thing... You know, people of like mind start forming alliances and getting together um, and doing things together that ultimately, I think, do a lot of good. Um, we can sit here and harp, and I will harp a little bit today about denominations and some of the negative things associated with them. But I just kind of want to put it out there that I believe there's also a lot of good and fruitful things that happen as a result of these Um, various joint efforts that individuals within the Church of Jesus Christ ultimately get together to do. But it's not all pie in the sky, and as we know, things can turn sour. They can become unhealthy, and destructive mindsets can be created where things become unhealthy is when individuals within those denominations start to form tribal like identities that pit their particular branch of Christianity against other branches of Christianity. You don't know what I'm talking about there, do you? (laughs) Sometimes as Christians, we love to when other people from other denominations to our own denomination instead of actually trying to go out there and convert people who aren't even Christians to begin with. And we pretty much consider it one and the same because, you know, if I can get somebody from the assemblies of God to join the Church of God, well, ha, bless God, then, you know, I get an extra street of gold in heaven, right? <laughs> Things become, though, unhealthy you know, we, we start making war against others. We're like, well, I don't care if I am in ninety-nine percent agreement with that guy over there. That that other one percent is really what's irking me today. And so as a result, we need to splinter and break off into separate groups and, and even though we, you know, agree on ninety nine percent of the topics, it's that one percent it's it's over. You're just an abject heathen and you have that little one percent disagreement. Uh, um, With some groups and over certain pet doctrines and practices Uh, We like to draw our lines in the sand And earnestly contend for the faith by arguing with one another (laughs) Instead of trying to spread the gospel uh, We go ahead and just uh, turn our swords on each other And petty little fights break out Factions form Unkind words are exchanged Especially on social media. Um, And before you know it, people say, hey, you know, I didn't sign up for this. This sucks. And they go ahead and jump ship. And then they go form their own little denomination from all the people that jumped out of the, the last ship. From this mess, new alliances are often formed. Pet doctrines become codified. And new churches are established. And the process repeats itself over And over and over again. And this has been the essence of the history of Christianity in the past 2,000 years. I just saved you a thousand bucks at seminary and a couple thousand pages of books to read the same. (laughs) I just summed it all up, folks. You don't need to go listen to anything else out there about the history of Denominations and where they came from Yeah, you can find, you know, lots of scholarship out there about the particulars of various groups But uh, I'm just going to save you the uh, the long read And uh, just tell you how it happened Just, just like that Because, well, that's what it's done That's what it's done That's how it's been happening for 2,000 years And based off the Beth Moore controversy I'm kind of guessing these sort of things aren't going to be slowing down anytime anytime soon. I can recall years ago, um, there was one Pentecostal denomination I was involved with for several years that I went to Bible college for. And there was a lot of this sort of tribalistic mentality that fostered uh, that, that existed and thrived in this particular denomination. And I'm not saying this to pick on this particular denomination. Please don't get me wrong. This, this exists in lots of denominations. But, hey, I'm just sharing my story from my experiences. So, you know, deal with it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so this Pentecostal denomination I was involved with for several years, went to Bible college for the, at the denomination. Um, there was this mentality Which is interesting because this denomination was pretty new as far as denominations go. It had only been around for roughly a hundred years. And as such, being only a hundred years old, there were members within those churches who could trace their spiritual and biological heritage back to the origins of the denomination. Some would say rather proudly, I am third generation Church of God. Ha! Ha! And the ha was, you know, something they, they would say. <laughs> That's how you know it's authentic when you're in a Pentecostal denom- denomination. It's not anointed unless somebody's uh, having a funny breathing sound at the end of their sentences. <laughs> ha. <laughs> anyway, sometimes, though, these things, when people said, I am third generation Church of God, sometimes, though, this was a genuine joy and celebration over the family heritage that this particular family had, the rich spiritual heritage um, that was passed down to them from their grandparents to their parents to them today. Um, And they know that because of this heritage, they came to know the Lord, they came to love his church, and they came to be able to live the life they were living now, and all because uh, some good people who loved Jesus passed on their faith to their children and their children's children. And that's awesome. But there were others who, in this denomination, would say, I'm third-generation Church of God, who wore that badge as if it were a royal scepter. <laughs> and they used it to knight or smite whomever they pleased. They used this this third-generation Church of God label um, in order to establish... A sort of hierarchy and social pecking order within the denomination that this church I was involved with was uh, a part of, and for Johnny Come Latelys like me, who had been only first generation. Well, technically, I could have been second generation, but my mom was divorced, and she had long stopped going to that church. Uh, so the. The apostolic succession there was broken. (laughs) Um, But uh, for Johnny come latelys like me who couldn't say that they were third generation Church of God, or maybe even for the few out there who might have been even fourth, um, you know, it became very abundantly clear to me that at the end of the day, there simply wasn't much room in their ranks for me within that particular denomination because. You know, there are already so many people online waiting for their turn and that we're going to have their say because it was their church and their denomination and they weren't going to let some outsider, some foreigner, um, come and mess with their beloved heritage. So, you know, as a result of many things, eventually, um, I would kind of have to leave that denomination. I left on good terms. I didn't leave... And uh, go to another church and with an, involved with another denomination because of any bad blood. Um, but it did become clear while I was there because I wasn't some third generation church of God member that uh, you know, this just wasn't gonna be my church at any point in time. And it was interesting to see how this sort of thinking, this tribalistic thinking, Um, influenced really how people thought not only about other churches, but also thought about God himself and how that messed up their theology. I can recall this time with my former fiancé that I was engaged to previous to my current wife, who was part of this church and part of this denomination. Uh, She grew up in this church and this denomination, and there was a church down the street from her where she lived that was of a rival sister denomination. Our church denomination was a church of God, Pentecostal church. The church down the street that we went to go visit once uh, was the sister denomination, Assemblies of God. Um, And there's some fun sayings. There are some people within those different denominations, even though they agree on 99% of the particulars and and have the same religious, spiritual experiences. uh, Some of them will say, well, uh, Y'all just assemble with God. We have church. <laughs> church of God, Assembly of God. Get it? Well, anyway, even if you don't, get my joke there. Um, that's one of the jokes they tell. Uh, it's it's kind of funny. I like it. But anyway, uh, so there's the sister denomination church just down the street from where my fiance lived. And we decided one night to go check it out. Um, it was interesting. She had never been. And she was hesitant to go because she really wondered, will God even be there when we get together and meet, when we assemble? (laughs) Because after all, she was second generation Church of God, and she had spent her entire life within this particular denomination. And as funny as this may sound, the question, will God even be there was a serious, serious question for her theologically. She was as serious as a heart attack. So we went to this church and wondered, or at least she wondered, (laughs) will God even be here? Will we sense God's presence when we sing and listen to the preacher? When we worship, when we lift our hands, and and when we just open ourselves to God, will God even be there within this particular church of this particular denomination? And yes, to her surprise, she felt God's presence at that church and had something of a little bit of a revelation, at least I think, um, you know, that, hey, you know, God can be in that church over there just like he can be in my church where I go. An interesting revelation to have and something I could probably, you know, spend a good deal of time making fun of. Except for the fact that this is a legitimate crisis that this girl was having. And that many like her have had. They've wondered, is God bigger than my denomination? Is God bigger than my particular branch of Christianity? Is Jesus getting down with the Baptists as he is with the Pentecostals? Is he getting down with the Church of God as much as he's getting down with the Assembly of God? I don't know. Some people don't. (laughs) Some people they really feel like it's almost like a completely, not just a different denomination, but a completely different religion as if somebody was worshipping some sort of Buddha statue or something like. There's just no way that those people over there could be Christians even though they agree with 99% of the same things I believe and uh, practice 99% of the things I practice. It's that 1% of issue. That's ultimately going to divide us and keep us from being able to be united in fellowship and faith. And to experience God together. And in debating such questions, it never passes their mind to ever wonder, Huh, I wonder if there were ever any Christians before my denomination ever came into existence. Were any of those people back then be Christians? And I would dare say even within the denomination that I was a part of, Um, that there would be some whose sense of spiritual heritage stops a hundred years ago. And it never occurs to them that before a hundred years ago, the church had existed for 1900 years and that God got along fine without their particular denomination, without their particular pet doctrine, without their particular pet practice, without their particular theological hero. Never mind all that. And you know, ever since I became a Christian in my late teenage years, I've always looked for a place to belong in the church. I found out, though, that at times, this can be a pretty rough road to travel. Not everyone is interested in you belonging. I know, that may come as a shock. But let me say it again. Within the Church of Jesus Christ, not everyone is interested in you belonging. I can remember a time when my wife and I were looking for a new church shortly after we got married. We visited around to several different churches and had mostly pretty good experiences. But I do recall that there was this one church we went to just down the street from where we were, where the, the pastor warmly, <laughs> and I say that sarcastically, welcomed us. After service was over, the pastor pulled us aside into his office to talk. Kind of an unusual experience to experience if you've ever visited a church. Um, That was the first time (laughs) that had ever happened to me. Uh, But after the service was over and he pulled us aside into his office to talk, he was going uh, over what the church was, who they were, who he was, what their background was. Um, But he wanted to make it very particularly crystal clear to us, right at the get-go, first-time visitors, he wanted us to particularly know, even though it wasn't written on the sign outside the church, um, that their church was a Southern Baptist church. And that from within that denomination, this Southern Baptist denomination that they were a part of, that they ascribed to a certain theological persuasion from within that denomination to the exclusion of other theological persuasions within that denomination. Namely, they were Southern Baptist of a dispensationalist school of thought and not the Reformed Baptist school of thought. And he just thought he'd let us know. First time visitors. <laughs> And that was pretty much that, because, you know, we never went back, strangely enough. Um, because I was just like, huh. So, even though I'm down and okay with my Southern Baptist brethren, whether they are of the dispensational or Reformed schools of thoughts, even though I have my preference towards, uh, perhaps the Reformed school of thought, if I had to choose between the two. Um... You know, I felt a little uncomfortable with the fact that, uh, you know, unless I was of that dispensationless school of Southern Baptist thinking, that mm, perhaps me and my wife weren't going to be so welcomed at this church. So, taking that as a very clear sign that uh, from the get-go we weren't welcome, we didn't go back. And such can be a pretty heartbreaking thing to experience. And as I like to say, as the Apostle Paul would say, as one untimely born, um, and I've got my own little reason for saying that, but anyway, as one untimely born, I've never been able to understand these sort of mentalities. While I don't mind the church organizing itself into a larger, uh, larger umbrella organization and networks outside of the local church, I've just never been able to buy into the entire denomination thing. And by that, I don't mean I'm over here rooting for the non-denomination denomination. 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 (laughs) I just don't get the rampant tribalism, you know? I know it's a story as old as Christianity itself. I've been to Bible college. I've been to seminary. I've read all the thick books of what's happened over the past 2,000 years. But you know what's interesting enough? this, This isn't just a recent phenomenon. This isn't something that's you know, just happening today. It's something that even existed in the Apostle Paul's day. When the Apostle Paul wrote his letter to the Corinthians, he noted that there were some factions forming among them. Some were saying, I am of Paul, I am of Barnabas, I am of Cephas. Some would even later claim to follow a group of so-called super apostles, as if Paul, Barnabas, and Cephas weren't spectacular enough. (laughs) There's this group of super apostles that they liked more and thought, well, maybe we shouldn't have Paul over here so much. Maybe we shouldn't, you know, keep a record of all his letters that he sends us because he's kind of taking us to school and we don't like it. We don't like this school that Paul has taken us to. We like this school of super apostles over here. So we're going to follow them. But anyway... (laughs) With all that said, there's always been, there's always been from the beginning, a group of Christians who want to be only associated with other types of groups of Christians. And I don't know about you, but I just can't do that. I don't want to have my identity tethered to a certain denomination or sect within Christianity. I am not a denomination. I simply want to be a Christian where other Christians are. And why? Because I find Jesus in them all. And if the Spirit of God can richly dwell within the heart of someone else that just so happens to have a different sign outside their church door, I'm happy to join in loving them and fellowshipping with them and just, you know, building up one another in the Lord. For it is the bond we have in the Spirit of God that ultimately unites us. We have one Lord, one faith, one baptism. But we often forget that. And this entire issue with Beth Moore leaving the Southern Baptist Convention makes me ultimately realize how much forgetting we often do. And, you know, whatever Beth Moore's reasons for leaving the Southern Baptist Convention, whether that's a good thing, whether that's a bad thing, Um, I think we can agree that the entire situation is an ugly thing And I don't think things ought to be this way. I think we ultimately must realize that It's the Lord that unites us and if Jesus is just as happy to live in you as he is in me Then what more do we need? We don't need any signs on the door We don't need any 20-point creedal statements that differ us from the church down the street with 19 creedal statements. (laughs) We don't need any particular superhero preacher to unite us to say, oh man, I'm all excited about this guy or this gal or, or whoever. We simply need to be united in Christ and allow that union To transcend all of our denominational differences, all our hangups, and all the tribal nonsense that we engage in every single day and have for the past 2,000 years. So everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, episode 101, I'm Not a Denomination. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast if you have. Be sure to subscribe. Jimmy'sTable.com slash subscribe is where you can do so. I'm on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, and wherever other place you may want to get your podcast. Or you can sign up just by subscribing to the newsletter at Jimmy'sTable.com slash subscribe. And if you've enjoyed this podcast and want to share it with others, I would encourage you to, to share it on Facebook, share it on Twitter, share it by email to that friend you got who you know just loves these controversial issues. <laughs> for somebody who loves Beth, Beth Moore, for somebody who hates Beth Moore, And if you'd like to give me a piece of my mind and let me know what you think, you can email me, jimmy at jimmiestable.com, or you can reach out to me on Twitter and Facebook. Links to those at jimmiestable.com as well. And hey, everybody, this has been Jimmy Humphrey, where I'm having conversations about the intersection of faith, life, and culture. Hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Take care. God bless. And uh, if you have a moment, go leave me a five-star review at Apple. It might just help somebody else find this content one day, too. Take care, everybody, and have a good one. That's all I have to say about that. That's the right on, man. You said it all.